Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of the Podmania podcast, a retro pay-per-view review, and this is definitely the first time I have done this take. Um, I am joined once again by Garth. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Hello, my guide. <laughs> Apparently not. It took a lot to get that intro out. It's really not that difficult, but there you are. So, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while since we've done a retro pay-per-view, and um, rather than you know, put a poll out or anything like that, we just decided that we were going to do one. And I've always been interested in the era of the in-your-house pay-per-views. I thought that they were an interesting concept uh, where you could potentially, you know, win a car and then win a house. Um, But, you know, the name got dropped and we have just our normal pay-per-views. But whilst there was still in-your-house, there was in-your-house 13, the final four, which was... An interesting show, shall we say, Garth? Yeah, it was. It was. I'd never, I'd never seen this one before. No, I hadn't. So it was quite interesting to watch something from back then that I hadn't already seen. Yeah, absolutely, because this is more your era of wrestling, isn't it? Not meaning oh, yeah. to call out oh, yeah. your age or anything. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> very much so. Um, it's sort of, it's just before the, the Attitude Era. Yeah, it was sort, sort of, of precluding that, aren't we? Yeah, um, um, and it was it was sort of it was in between the sort of really cartoony stuff and attitude era, but they still had the sort of daft cartoony stuff. So they had it was weird. It was a weird time. I think that's why the, and you could tell it was a sort of um, it was a big sort of crossing of the fans at the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they had like the old school hardcore fans, and then younger fans coming in. It was a real strange time. It was. And 96 is known as not a a notoriously average year for the WWE, I think, with everything that went on in... um, Sorry, I keep saying 96, 97, sorry. Um, Obviously, you're leading up to the Montreal Screwdrop. Um, 95, 96 were really bad years for the WWF. Yeah, um, really struggling. They were massively, and... The NWO was still relatively new, and with that sort of edgier product on the WCW side of things, um, the WWF sort of felt the need to raise their game. Yeah, it's still quite early on, as you mentioned. There's no DX yet. Um, you know, we Michael's do see how injured isn't he? Well, this is why I wanted to watch this show because the main storyline going into this sort of a stemmed from the Royal Rumble, where. Yeah. All four men in the main event had legitimate claims to be, you know, the winner. Um, as obviously Stone Cold had, in air quotations, won the Royal Rumble um, <laughs> after he'd quite obviously been eliminated, but the referees were distracted uh, between an argument between, I believe, uh, Mick Foley and uh, Texas Chainsaw Charlie, whatever his name is, whatever he's gave up, Terry Funk. Um, and... Basically, Stone Cold rolled himself back in, eliminated everyone, won the match, and that led to a lot of controversy, especially between the people that he eliminated, Taker, <laughs> Vader, and Bret Hart. Yeah. At the same time, uh, Shawn Michaels, I believe, had just won the belt from Psycho Sid at the yeah. same pay-per-view. Um, and then when, you know, if you're to believe the rumours, when he was told that he would be dropping the belt potentially to Bret... Um, he decided that rather than drop it, he would rather 
exaggerate a knee injury because it, it's important to note that it was a legitimate knee injury. Yeah. Um, but he came out, he did the infamous, um, you know, I've got to find my smile again <laughs> promo, which was just <laughs> dreadful. Um, and then obviously he uh, sort of gave up the belt and started rehabbing his knee. Um, and his drug problem. And his severe drug. <laughs> he looked coked out of his skull <clears throat> during that promo. His eyes, oh. I couldn't see his eyes because the bags yeah. under his eyes were that black. Um, <laughs> he, did, he, he didn't look great. Um, he, put, he put on a good show. Um, anyway, this was hastily thrown together, this main event, um, which saw Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, The Undertaker, Bret Hart, and the man they call Vader, all in the final four with the winner uh, winning the championship. And then going on to face Psycho Sid the next <laughs> night on Raw, again for the championship. And then obviously they would hold the belt going into WrestleMania 13, which was the next pay per view. Are you with me, Garth? Do you understand that? Because God oh, yeah. grief was that contrived. Um, obviously, <laughs> the, the going rule, into the rules of the match are even worse. I oh, know. Tell me about it. Tell me about <laughs> it because that was so confusing. Um, but the main event was a fantastic match. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I'd argue it is definitely one of the best pre-Attitude era, uh, era WWF matches. It's definitely one of the best sort of four-way matches. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, there was lots of storylines going into it. Obviously, you've got Bret Hart and Steve Austin. They were in a feud. Uh, you've got Undertaker and Vader. Uh, feuding, obviously you've got Paul Bearer who turned against Undertaker <laughs> um, I think he, he'd originally aligned with Mankind hadn't he um, yeah. in that it was the Boiler Room Brawl match wasn't it at SummerSlam, yeah, like, yeah. SummerSlam 96 <laughs> so um, obviously Vader was being managed by Paul Bearer so we got a lot of storylines going into that main event so it sort of all added to that um, but wasn't just that we did have other matches as well and we're going to run through them for you aren't we Goff yeah, um, so. the pre-show um, I assume you didn't watch because I didn't um, I didn't. I don't even know if it's available on the network um, yeah. but it was the Godwins Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin which took me a while to realise it spelled out hog and pig so you know <laughs> lol <God. laughs> um, and they beat the headbangers Mosh and Thrasher um, yeah, I didn't see that so, um, sort of a side note, I did, straight after I watched this, I was like, I fancy some more 90s wrestling, so I watched WrestleMania 13. <laughs> Don't. I, can't um, remember, I honestly can't remember much about it. Um, well, we'll go into it in a bit. Um, it's 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 not the best mania, let's put it that way. It's a oh. very low-selling mania, and uh, there's not a lot to sort of get into about it. When, um, when they opened the show, I thought it was really funny how that, obviously they go to the Spanish announce table as they always do and um carlos cabrero doesn't look any different he doesn't at all he doesn't <laughs> at all but what made me laugh was that every time they hadn't quite got the um like the production quite right because yeah. every time they cut to another announced team i think there was only three there wasn't there and the french team yeah, yeah french i think there was what's the japanese it, it's it's irrelevant anyway but every time they cut to one they would cut them off instantly like, yeah. before they'd finished, which was just fantastic. It was like, okay, clearly aren't bothered about them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll we'll dive straight into the card. Um, the, we opened up with uh, 
Sable, which she got a huge pop. Not sure if they were bothered about Mark Mero, who was actually in yeah. the match, uh, taking on Leaf Cassidy, the uh, AKA. AKA. Go on. Al Snow. Al Snow. <laughs> Again, did not look any different. No. Did not look any different at all. Uh, Mark Mero, to be honest, is known for two things. One is obviously he was married to Sable pre Brock Lesnar, and he was the first real person to come over from WCW to the WWF. He was the first real, you know, yeah. big name to come over. And they um, really, really wanted to push him as well, didn't they, at the time? They I did. Vince, I think Vince really liked him. Vince did really like him. He's come out in interviews and said that he did really like him. And he was very talented in the ring, as we've, you know, as we can see in flashes and spates in this match. But what irritated me was the WWE put him in feuds with such boring people. Yeah. Um, and it just it sort of killed his character because it got to the point then because they built him then as this controlling husband of Sable who every mm-hmm. time Sable would start stripping he'd go no 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 don't do that because you know that's what heel husbands do yeah you know and obviously at the time that's what everybody wanted to see exactly exactly everyone wanted to see that they wanted to see Sonny so you know why not but um, yeah Sable plays a big part in this match which is fine. But her acting <laughs> is just monstrous. Yeah. And I don't mean that as disrespectful. I mean that as honestly as I can say, her acting <laughs> is atrocious. Um, Cassidy spends a lot of the time getting distracted by Sable, but I think Cassidy had a fairly good showing. I was going to say, I, th- I thought the match was actually all right. And he, like, Al Snow, like, is technically very, very good. Mm and it comes out in this because he I would say he gets more more of the match than Mark Miro does he does absolutely and I think a lot of people think of Al Snow as this hot you know this stalwart of the hardcore era an ECW guy and mm-hmm. um, they forget that you know he's a very very talented wrestler and before Al Snow we had Leaf Cassidy we had that weird Japanese thing that he used to do on the indies and <laughs> for a bit in WWF so you know this this could have been an absolutely outstanding match. Obviously, it opened the show. Yeah. Um, Cassidy spent a lot of time targeting the legs of Mark Mero, um, whilst Sable banged on the mat with just no enthusiasm. Some all. of Mark Mero's selling was absolutely shocking. It was. <laughs> it was. There was one point where he got locked in another lock of some description and was writhing around in agony. Uh, Leaf Cassidy let it go, and he got up instantly. Yeah, <laughs> not one moment of pain, nothing at all. There's a really funny bit in the match as well where you, you clearly hear, hear um, Leaf Cassidy. I keep saying Al Snow. Um, you just hear him shout, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, the top there of his is, voice. Yeah, there <laughs> There's one bit as well, and I can't remember what it is, but um, it's a it's on a reversal where um, Mark Merrow reverses an Irish whip into the corner, <laughs> and you can quite clearly hear him say, "Whip me now." <laughs> with me now <laughs> so you know but again we're being very picky um, I, I love those bits it's just funny it is absolutely the John Cena calls as I like to call it um, yeah Mira spent a lot of the time trying to sort of gain the upper hand by you know producing a lot of his quick offence they spent mm. a lot of time billing him as this um, this amateur boxer which obviously he did have as a background um, but Cassidy spent a lot of time on top until Sable managed to distract him on the outside yeah uh, Sable has distracted Leaf Cassidy once too often. Cassidy went after her. Sable slapped him. 
then instead of running around the ring away from him, decided to try and run through Leaf Cassidy. <laughs> but she didn't even run past him. She sort of ran into him. Into him yeah. It was very strange. Um, she got out of the way, though, because Mark Marrow then did this beautiful dive over the top onto Cassidy. That seemed to be the injection of adrenaline that he needed. Um, and he then would go on to roll Cassidy into the ring, hit the wild thing, which is a very underrated move, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a very, very good move. Is it a four? It's a... I'm trying to think what it actually is. I'm trying to think how many revolutions it is. Hang on. Let's have a look. Nothing like Wikipedia for telling me this. Shooting Star Press. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for the win, Marmero comes out with the win. And Sable sort of is there. Yeah. Which is lovely. Then, straight after the match, the Honky Tonk Man comes out. <laughs> if you remember, Garth. And we then... Cut away, before the Honky Tonk Man can say anything, we cut to the full cut of the Shawn Michaels interview. Yeah. Where Shawn Michaels again explains that he's lost many things, one of them being his smile. And then we cut back to the ring where there is no Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> just, just, he just disappeared. It's just like it's like. Right, go and entertain the crowd while we run this video package. Yeah, exactly. But they could have cut the entrance out at least. There was, <laughs> there was just no need for us as the fans on TV to see this. In fact, we cut back as Flash Funk was making his way to the ring. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, this sort of leads into our next match, uh, which was a six-man tag uh, between the Nation of Domination, which was a very different incarnation of the Nation of Domination. Yeah. You know, There was no Mark Henry, there was no The Rock, there was no D'Lo Brown. It was a very, very different one than the one I was used to. But Nation of Domination, Crush, Farouk, and Savio Vega. Um, and they defeated Bart Gunn, Flash Funk, and Gold Dust. Flash Funk, who was uh, too cool Scorpio. Yes, and I must admit, he was probably the MVP of this match. He's, he was brilliant. He was very, very talented. Very, it's a shame that like, he never really did anything. No. They gave him that stupid gimmick, and then he, ne- he never really sort of did anything in WWE? I th- did he end up going back to ECW? I think eventually, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that he wasn't. He wasn't on um, the WrestleMania 13 card. I think. Hmm. In fact, I'm WCW. sure. I'm sure he went. Um, he was on the pre-show. He was on the pre-show right. against Billy Gunn. I think. Right. Um, he was. He left in 1999. Bloody hell, he was there uh, that long. He where he was WCW 92 to 94, ECW yeah. 94 to 96, uh, WWF 96 to 99. Uh, then he went to pro wrestling nowhere. Really? Yeah, apparently really? so. 2000 to 2006. Wow. Where he spent the majority of his time. Um, but there you go. So a little bit of noise for you there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Who says we don't entertain? Um, but yeah, basically this is stemmed from the fact that uh, the Nation of Domination basically just beat everyone up. <laughs> and uh, these three people, Bart Gunn, Goldust and Flash Funk, have all been sort of... Victims. <laughs> yes, in one way or another. Um, Bart Gunn was tagging with Billy Gunn and they had their tag team match disrupted by the Nation of Domination and so on and so forth. Um, and... Yeah, 
basically that was enough for the three men to team up and take on the nation. It was alright. There was nothing really to say about this match. I mean... Apart from Farouk just brutalising everybody. Farouk brutalising everyone and being ever so slightly racist about Flash Funk. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, he had him (laughs) in some weird like camel clutch and started saying, is this the guy you think is amazing? He's just a black redneck. And then just started being really racist. And even JR picked it up as well. It was like, oh God. Um, but yeah, Farouk was shout, shout, shout out to JR as well. Go on. He made, he made every match sound like the greatest match on the planet. He did. He did. And, you know, we're not blind. We know this match means absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, I mean, this was the fledgling nation. If we're being perfectly honest, yeah. I mean Savio Vega was in it for God's sake. Crush, crush, yeah, exactly. White. Oh God, crush. Well, the last time I saw Crush uh, was when he was in the 1993 Survivor Series. So it's interesting to see how his. Uh... Is that when he had the sort of pink, uh, the purple and yellow. Yes, it was face when he was feuding with. Um... Who was he feuding with? Randy Ramon? Savage. Oh right, yeah. Randy Savage. Um, and he was being billed as this massive monster. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he wasn't, basically, which was a shame. Um, but he'd stopped. He'd, he left later that year. He left the WWF uh, yeah. after he was a disciple of Apocalypse um, and after he'd been in the nation because there were clearly no more stables for him to be part of. <laughs> um, as we we alluded to this before, basically the only reason to watch this match is to see just how underrated Flash Funk was in the ring at the yeah. time. Um, you know, in a lot of Hurricane Rana's, a lot of dives, um, you know, that kind of thing. Gold Dust was just brilliant. I love Gold Dust. Yeah. You know, especially this incarnation of Gold Dust. There's one moment where Farouk is about to cut a promo at the start of the match, and Gold Dust is just rubbing himself and <laughs> just, you know, proper postulating in front of him. It was just really funny. You can see, you can see, like, Farouk getting, like, wound up, like, probably, like, really getting wound up, if for real. <laughs> Because I mean, if you look at you look at him now, you look at like like Ron Simmons now, you forget he was this absolute monster. Yeah, absolutely. I think anything after the acolytes, you sort of think, well, you know, he's just got a catchphrase. He's just yeah. damn, isn't he? Um, and oh. people do forget, like he was a W. He's not ex WCW champion. Mm-hmm. And he's just like picking people up with one hand. He is and slamming stacked. them. Yeah, he is absolutely um, stacked. I want to. I wanted to note, like, I put a note down because obviously you don't see them anymore. But um, it was crushed did an absolutely killer um, pile driver. Yes, I think it was towards the end of the match, and I just thought it was such a good move, and what? you never ever see it anymore. You know, well, it's banned, isn't it? Obvious, it's... obvious reasons, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You look at Stone Cold's injury later yeah. this year, actually. Um, it's yeah. It's a very, very good pile driver. It's, it's a shame on some levels that it's been banned, but obviously, as we've said, understandable. Um, yeah. Again, not really a lot to say about this match. Um, Gunn hit some kind of diving bulldog on Farouk. <laughs> uh, went for the cover. Ref didn't see it, so Crush took advantage. Hit a leg drop to break up the pin. Just. And I mean, <laughs> like, just. I don't know whether he missed his cue, but... Um, Obviously, that was enough for Farouk to reverse it and ping on to get the win. Quick shout-out to the rappers who accompanied uh, Nation of Domination to the ring. They were the <laughs> drizzling shit. They were <laughs> awful. I don't know who they were. Uh, it doesn't say 
in my notes who it was. I don't think they mentioned who it was, but it was just, just dreadful. It was just everything about the time with the rap and things like that. It was like sort of you can tell it was WWE. Yeah, so absolutely. Trying to force it in. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously we got in '95. We got Man on a Mission with uh, the More. man who would be, you know, known as Viscera, um, Mabel, and who was More the other Mabel. One? It was Mabel, More. Oscar, and because Oscar was the rapping manager, who was it? Mabel and I can't think was who it, it was, but he was, was called Mo. Was he? Yeah, Mo and Mabel. God, yeah. they were just they were shy. But yeah, I remember he was a rapping one as well. And then, of course, you've got Insane Clown Posse as well. Yeah. Whenever they started randomly appearing. Um, But yeah, so an all right match. Nothing really to write home about. Nothing. No need for you to go back and watch it. Uh, This led us into the first of three consecutive title matches. And this was for the WWF Intercontinental Championship between Rocky Maivia and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. What I thought was interesting was, as obviously we hear about this wonderful transition from Rocky Maivia into, you know, The Rock, The, rock. the mega star that was, um, and we hear that there was so many die, Rocky, die chants and boos whenever he entered into, you know, into a ring and people didn't like him and he was impaired by the click backstage, supposedly. I didn't hear that much negativity at no, no. all here. I thought the crowd were really good for him. Like, yeah, really so did I. So- yeah. And obviously, it's not long now before Rocky Maivia transitions into The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not entirely sure where his actual sort of turn is um, in terms of this. But yeah, I, I thought it was a fairly it was a fairly tepid welcome to be perfectly yeah. honest. And I mean, like Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he got I mean, the crowd didn't like him. Um, oh, he was getting such good heat. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> but yes, coming into this match, uh, The Rock, I'm going to call him The Rock, I know it's Rocky Maivia, um, was the champion having taken advantage of Helmsley's um, sort of arrogance, as as was his character. He thought that he would um, sort of squash Rocky Maivia on an episode of Raw for the championship to retain his championship. That wasn't the case. Rocky had kicked out of absolutely everything and eventually caught Helmsley in a small package to uh, sort of steal the Intercontinental Championship. So this was a rematch for that. Um, Helmsley, similar to the first match, spent a large, large amount of this match on top. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fast pace as well. It was. Like... It was. And I know that one of the one of the feuds that people speak very highly of from this time is between Rocky Maivia and Triple H for the Intercontinental Championship. They have mm-hmm. a great ladder match as well. I can't remember what pay-per-view it's on, but they have a great ladder match. Um, but this was just... It was a great story. Uh, there was a lot of good moves in the ring. Um, the Rock... I, I very, very rarely have seen The Rock go to the top rope. Yeah. Um, but that crossbody, he gets a lot of airtime on that mm-hmm. crossbody. Um mm-hmm. And you see, um, you see, um, Hunter do the the Shawn Michaels corner flip, or he, t- he tries to do it. Yes, he's nowhere near as athletic. He lands as Shawn, on his head. He? <laughs> he lands on his head. Uh, it look, it looks like it hit, It hurts more than just ignoring it. To be perfectly yeah. honest, <laughs> um, but Helmsley 
remains on top for a large portion of it, hitting a lot of bat breakers, a lot of suplexes, um, applying submission holds. He's, the uh, Rocky Maivia spends a good 20, it feels like about 20 minutes in a headlock. Um, but eventually, um, obviously, Rocky gains a bit of momentum, hits this flying crossbody, um, which Hamster kicks out of. He then looks like he's going to win, having hit um, a DDT. Yeah. Um, then who should come to the ring but Goldust? Goldust. <laughs> um, which was interesting. Um, he sort of postulated at um, at Helmsley. Um, my beer hit bridging German suplex and pinned him to retain the IC title. Um, nice little match. I assume that Goldust and Hunter Hearst Helmsley would go on to feud. Um, yeah, I mean. I think they feuded at Mania. In fact, yes, they did. Yes, they yeah. did, and Triple H uh, defeated him. Because um, you have, obviously you have the aftermath of the match, mm. which leads... Absolutely, yeah. I mean, as as Goldust continues to confront Helmsley uh, following the match, Marlena, who came out with him, was sort of standing by the barricade, and she was assaulted by a female fan, a ringside, or at least we were led to believe that it was a female fan. Um... And she did look like stacked as well. Her arms oh, yeah. are massive, and I know she was a bodybuilder, but Jesus. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was obviously China uh, who we saw the debut of China at this uh, show. She chokes out Marlena. Uh, Goldust then runs away from Helmsley and supports his girlfriend. Uh, China's taken away quite forcibly. Forcibly. I was going to say, I'm sure these guys mustn't have been in on it because they're really, really like. I had her arm sort of right pinned behind her back, and it's as if they were sort of they they weren't for real. <laughs> yeah, they they were one shot away from just spearing her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she was taken out forcibly, and uh, yeah, that was that. So yeah, just a nice little nugget there because I didn't know that happened in this pay per view when I started watching, and uh, obviously when Marlena was originally held in that uh, chokehold, I was like, who the hell is that? And then obviously it was China, and a little bit of a pop. Um, this led us to. The semi-main event. Now, there were only five matches on this card. Um, this one was the third longest match, and this was just over ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, the entire <laughs> pay-per-view was under an hour and 50 minutes. Um, and, you know, a lot of storyline progression was sort of had here. And it wasn't like we're in the nineteen, you know, the 1980s where they have one pay-per-view a year or even two. You know, we are at the point where we have pay-per-views every week. Sorry, every week, every month. So, yeah, I think they did quite well in the time that they've been given. Yeah, it was all right, especially with the sort of, with it being the the one before Mania. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, I think it sort of quashed a lot of the running feuds and then set up a few new ones. Yeah, it was very much the fast lane of its day. Yeah. Uh, Or the roadblock. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was a good pay per view. Anyway, um, we moved on to a WWF Tag Team Championship match uh, between Doug Fumas and Phil Lafon, and they were taking on the current champions Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, who were the yeah. tag team champions at the time. They were experiencing quite a lot of infighting at the time <laughs> due to <laughs> Owen eliminating British Bulldog from the Royal Rumble by accident. The- um, <laughs> 
Um, Acton here was so funny. Owen Hart was brilliant during this match. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. And um, how he was never WWF champion is just astonishing because he would have had such a fantastic reign as just this heel champion. But his comedy... It's so good. I mean, (laughs) it's just the the bit where he's got his Slammy Award and he's holding it up and he's sort of, when he goes to get in the ring and he sort of backs off and he's like, well, hang on a minute. I'm the Slammy. I'm the Slammy holder sort of thing. Gets into the ring and then he goes up the bulldog, doesn't he? Sort of half-heartedly sort of says, yeah, "Yeah, you're the man. What makes me laugh is the fact that he's holding a tag team championship belt like down by his side whilst yeah. showing everyone this really, you know, obviously fake trophy. The shitty Slammy Award. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's again, it's a good match. It's not about the moves, to be perfectly honest, this one. It is about that tension between yeah. British Bulldog and Owen. I think they were, I mean, both teams really were like technically really good like yeah absolutely um, the, the, the two french guys were excellent like easily held their own against Owen and uh, bulldog yeah and it was it was nice to see that that tag team wrestling was able to be done in this way at mm-hmm. this time um as you say lafon and um doug fumas held their own quite well um owen and bulldog eventually would get the upper hand um they took t- turns in sort of distracting the referee whilst the other pummeled the person in the ring. Um, that sort of fell apart when Bulldog, I think, hit Owen with a lariat. Yeah, the clothesline. Yeah. And, and then saves him straight away from the pin. Exactly. Um, he goes down. Uh, Lafon hits a splash on Owen from the top rope, and then Bulldog breaks the pin up. So it's, it's a very, very confusing story. Um but then Bulldog sort of controls the match from there on in. Um, they didn't and... sort of tell that they were just having fun, weren't they? They knew they weren't sort of high up on the card, so they just thought, let's just have a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- to be honest, when you look at the top of the card, when you look at the people in the main event, for example, with the possible exception of Vader, you've got three bona fide main eventers there. Yeah. It, it, would be, it would be nothing but harder now to break into that you know, mm-hmm. that main event scene. You know, Owen and Bulldog were getting on at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that uh, Bulldog would eventually go to WCW and Owen would obviously unfortunately pass away in 99. But they weren't getting any younger. You know, they want, they had eyes on Rocky Maivia. They had eyes on um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of main event talent. So they were going to find it difficult to break into that, you know, the upper echelon of that card. It's just- like watching that match, totally sort of, sort of reminded you how good Owen Hart is was. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was under. I mean, his match uh, at WrestleMania ten with Brett. Is That's one of my favorite matches of all time. Incredible, and then the one at SummerSlam the following year. In the cage. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh no, it's not the following year. It's that year, isn't it? It's SummerSlam '94. It's yeah. Um, again, outstanding match. Outstanding match. Um, it's just a shame that you know, obviously he passed away far before his time. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, British Bulldog is about to hit his running power slam on um, 
Who was it on? I believe it was on Lafon. Um, and as he went for the slam, uh, Owen Hart gained his trophy. He somehow got his slammy back, slapped Lafon on the back, and obviously then Bulldog was able to get the pin. He didn't realise that Owen had hit him with the statue, and this caused more tension with the Bulldog somehow being pictured as the heel here. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Um, Owen sort of held his arms up in celebration. Uh, Bulldog was annoyed because he said he had the match. He you know, he knew he was going to win once he had that running yeah. power slam. They were going to win anyway. Owen said, why do you care? We've still got the belts. We still won. Exactly. We still, you know, they might have won the match, but we've still got the belts. Because um, the title obviously doesn't change hands by DQ. So, and then... So funny when you hear Bulldog shouting there. I had it. Hate. Yeah, I had it. You hit him with that. Why'd you hit him with that? Which is, he sounds like a proper spoiled, petulant child, which is just brilliant. Um, Owen just has this real smug look on his face as though to go, what? What? Why? Yeah. What? What's, what's the like matter? A, like a naughty kid. Like yeah. a little naughty kid. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which brought us on to our main event. Now, through the night, we had promo segments with... <laughs> <laughs> We have promo segments with all four members of um, of the main event. And, Goth, I think it's fair to say that um, it was a different promo time. Oh, yeah. Shall we call it? People were must either have, very low-spoken or yelling. It must have been a, just a case of, there's a camera, oh, you're on live, go. Yeah, just shout. No script, nothing, just... I want you to get. The, I want you to get this across roughly. That's it. The Undertaker's is the worst. Yeah, I mean, it started off with um, Stone Cold being interviewed by um, Michael P. Hayes. Yeah. And basically, he is calling Stone Cold out for the fact that he's never beaten any of these in singles competition. Stone Cold takes offence to this, says, "Well, what you call the Royal Rumble then? Because I eliminated all three of them." <laughs> um. But even Stone Cold, who is as accomplished as anyone on the microphone, he was stumbling over his words. Yeah. You know, there was parts where you were like, this is really awkward. Then we got to <laughs> Vader. Um, he just, just shouts into the camera. He just shouts. He's just a ball of anger. And then Paul Bearer is particularly high-pitched in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> particularly high-pitched. No need for him to be that high-pitched. Um and then later on in the night, we cut to Undertaker. And Undertaker's promo, for me, was, these are a list of buzzwords. This <laughs> is what I want you to say. Yeah. And it was very, it seemed very monotone. There was no expression. It was terrible. It was like a Hulk Hogan promo yeah. without the Hulk Hogan energy. <laughs> um, now I know, obviously, he is the dead man. That does not mean that he does not have like expression in his voice he just kind of went Bret Hart I'm coming after you <laughs> Stone Cold I'm coming after you too <laughs> Vader well I've been after you for a bit and now I'm coming after you again yeah That's I've not been piece. at my best but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting there that was my favourite bit I've not been at my best but don't worry it's coming back to me no the darkness is coming back to me I was like delay it a bit mate wait he I mean, he even looked a bit sort of out of it, didn't he? Just he did, yes, he did. He looked very out pretty, of it. Pretty bad shit, yeah. Um, but yeah, he came out. He got the biggest pop of the night. 
No discernible reaction to Austin. I've got that written down actually in my notes. I've got um, the the crowd were pretty much sort of absent for when Austin came out because he sort of delayed his entrance as well. Yeah, he did. Um, which I thought he'd been attacked by someone. I thought that was where we were going with this. Yeah. Um, because Brett obviously hadn't been out either. Um, but no, he came out. You know, it was the iconic glass shattering uh, theme song, but nothing, no reaction. Yeah. Like whatsoever, it was very, very strange. Um, you know, Vader it's, came out. You know, it's looking... brilliantly. Um, when Jim Ross is obviously like building the match, and he said, "This is going to be the greatest thing I've ever seen." Is it though? Is it Jim Ross? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he hadn't been with the company that long. His his debut was WrestleMania Nine, and all yeah. of these matches were better than any of the matches at WrestleMania Nine. So, and, um, um, King King was pretty good as well because he was like heel King. Like yes. Bobby Heenan style. Yeah, he was. Basically, he was just behind the heel the entire time, which was really yeah. good, um, before he just started getting obsessed with puppies, which yeah, I think well. was a low point. Um, yeah. But yeah, what we didn't mention was there was one more po- promo uh, <laughs> throughout the night, Garth. Um, I don't know if you noticed it. It was uh, Psycho Sid's. Psycho Sid. Because Psycho Sid was obviously backstage. We mentioned earlier that uh, whoever won this match to become the WWF champion, would go on to face Sid the following night. He was watching it on the telly as he well. He was watching it on the telly properly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is back to the camera, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he probably wasn't supposed to, but it is Sid, so there we go. But his promo, we said Undertaker's was bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you haven't seen it, please just Google it. It is one of his best. He yells indeterminately for... <laughs> A good three minutes with no reference to the question that the interviewer has asked him. Just yells full on at the camera to the point where I thought he was going to give himself an aneurysm, like proper red face, his eyes bulging. Uh, just like, Sid, calm your ass this. down. Uh. <laughs> just please, you're going to give yourself a hernia. Just stop. Um. Anyway, all four men made their way into the ring after Brett had been, well, I thought, rather lassoed by the interviewer just as oh, his I theme song it. entered. It was like, I've got a match. Just, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're all in the ring and we start predictably with the sort of Undertaker, Vader and Brett Stone Cold sort of matchups. Um, Vader is bleeding obscenely early. Like, yeah. almost with the first bump. It's from the um, the chair, isn't it? The yes. Undertaker gives him a, a kick to the face with the chair. He did not hold back. Basically, Vader not. goes for... Um, a big chair shot on Taker, and Taker just big boots him, big boots the chair into Vader's face, and just the entire Smashes of the match. It, it might be the smallest cut in the world, but it just pisses blood. Yeah. Well, obviously, he's wearing a mask as well, so it's all getting caught in his mask. So, which eventually he discards anyway, because clearly yeah. he can't see. Um, but, you know, he wasn't going to stop for this when he didn't stop for his eye being pulled out of his socket. <laughs> Absolute psycho of a man. Um, there wasn't a lot of full-on wrestling moves here. It was very much a brawling yeah. sort of thing. Um, there was a long time before the first elimination. A long time. Yeah. Um, but I am just going to quickly say, before we get into it, proper props to Vader. Like, he is... Oh, yeah. oh, he, what do you reckon? 350, 400 pounds? Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> and his Vader salt... You know, that moonsault that he does is just oh, yeah. absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely amazing. You know, fair play to him. Everyone had um, their sort of licks in. Stone Cold hit a stunner. I have never once heard Stone Cold hit a stunner and nothing be said. Yeah. And obviously, on, um, go on. Is it on The Undertaker when he's sort of, sort of sideways? Yeah, he doesn't quite get it, does he? Mm. He sort of catches part of him. Um, Jim Ross says it's a, mo- a modified stunner. A modified stunner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, aka he balls that up, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but what made me laugh was um, usually, you know, we used to read, "Oh, it's a stunner, stunner yeah. from Jr." It was literally said as, "Oh, there's a modified stunner." Yeah. Just you know, you know, like I would say, "Oh, there's a cow in that field." It's <laughs> it was very, very much you know a oh afterthought. Um, but Paul Bearer gets in on the act, hits, take it on the back with the softest, the softest of blows. And then the best thing about that was um, when the um, sort of GLC is on, like um, Paul Bearer hits take with the urn, and <laughs> King goes, nope, didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then JR's just like, gosh, you're dead, he was right in front of you. Um, they stop in the replay, and the King says, turn that off. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite moments was Vader um, had Hart in the sharpshooter. Yeah. And you're going to say about the guy in the crowd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got that written down. <laughs> Go on, I'll let you explain this. Is he shouting? Is he shouting him? Fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him up, Vader. Is it right next to the railing? Yeah, it is. He, he's proper in camera shot. It's amazing. Um, and then that's broken up by uh, Austin hitting a Luthers press, which was also quite cool. Um, There's a, a bit where um, Vader drags Brett out the ring as well, and uh, the king keeps shouting, bust him open, Vader, bust him <laughs> open. <laughs> Vader is getting a lot of offense, and basically they, they make it look like Vader is this absolute badass. He even um, gets ch- chucked over the... Um, the security railing as well. He does. He gets chucked over really early as well. Because yeah. obviously him and Brett are fighting on the entrance ramp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vader no-sells it completely, as you would expect. <laughs> because it's the steel stuff. There's no padding on it or anything. But Brett, there's one point where Vader sort of walks over to the barricade and sort of, I don't know, sort of flops over it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? And there's a bit where um, is it Undertaker throws him at the steps so he dodges it and then ends up hitting... Like the, yes. the bell, the bell ringer. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, he's ended up in the um, in the timekeeper's area." It's like, yeah, but he wouldn't have done if he did just hit the steps, which is where he should have done. He sort of sidestepped them <laughs> instead of hitting the ABS brakes. And then um, um, I think it's Austin because I think there's Austin then smashing with the bell. Was it yes. Undertaker? One or two? Yeah, I think it's Austin <laughs> who hits him with the bell. Um, <laughs> but obviously, Vader and Taker um, exchange a lot of blows throughout this match. Uh, Vader tries to hit, or looks like he's going to hit a Vader bomb. Uh, instead, goes to the top rope, hits that Vader salt I was talking about earlier, but yeah. missed it. Took all of it on his chest. Um, yeah. So, fair play, Vader. Um, eventually, and I mean eventually, I think it was eight. Ooh, what was it? I've written it down somewhere. I think it's 17 minutes in. The match itself is 24 minutes, and we don't have a first elimination for 17 minutes. Yeah. Which is mental. really good. Uh, another good pile driver on Austin. Yes, he does. How it should be taken. Yeah. Um, you know, I did all my breath. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but eventually, um, Brett eliminates Austin, which will obviously lead into their absolutely stellar match at Mania 13. Yeah. Uh, there's a lo- there's a load of low blows in this match as well. A lot that 
Just yeah. Regret. What? Yeah. Well, after we'll go into like a bit of the aftermath afterwards, um, because I've read up on the role that takes place afterwards because I was interested to see what would happen in this um, in this title match, and um, it's sort of the start of Brett turning heel. Yeah. Because he sort of slaps away Vince McMahon, he starts shit swearing at him in the ring. So you know, it's I'm, I think this is sort of planting those seeds with that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Eventually, Austin is, like I say, um, eliminated, but he comes back later on um, by obviously attacking Bret Hart. Um, Vader went for a Vader bomb from the top rope, again on Taker, who was floored. Taker got up, speaking of low blows, low blows him, throws him over the top rope. <laughs> the top rope. <laughs> um, because in this match, over a top rope is uh, a disqualification, yeah. Which, you know. I don't know why. I assume it's to mimic the Royal Rumble, but it's stupid. I don't agree with it at all. Anyway, so um, is Vader's um, now eliminated. Is it, before Vader goes out, there's a really good um, superplex. Yes, on Vader is. by uh, Brett. That was yeah. really good. Again, you can see it's moves like that. You can see why he's called the excellence of execution. Yeah, he really is. Um, obviously, that left Brett and Taker as the final two participants. Um, now. I didn't know who won this because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. Um, so basically, the finishing sequence, Taker attempts a tombstone on Bret Hart and Austin distracts him, which I don't understand. Because why would Austin distract Taker from eliminating Bret Hart? It's very, very strange. Um, basically, slams his head into the rope as Taker turns around. Bret Hart clotheslines him over the top rope to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, his fourth overall, which topped off a really, really good show. <laughs> that wasn't the end of it, though. We then cut instantly. You know, basically, Bell, quick shot of Bret, we cut straight into a promo for WrestleMania 13. Yeah. It was almost like Vince just couldn't quite stop himself pressing play. He'd been stopping himself <laughs> all pay-per-view, but just couldn't quite stop himself doing it. Um, and... When we cut back, Psycho Sid was on his way to the ring and we had this beautiful stare off uh, before we faded to black. And that was In Your House 13 Final Four. Uh, overall, Garth, what were your overall thoughts? I thought it was good. It was fun. That, that was, that was. I mean, I've wrote that down a couple of times. Just fun matches. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think obviously not like going and not really knowing the feuds and stuff, it was easier to, to watch it. It was. I think. Not with it, sort of zero expectations on the fallout. Yeah. Um, but I think the main event was good, but I, I still think the, the tag match was my favourite because it was just the just wrestling was good and, and it was just it was just funny. Yeah, it, it was, was just just a daft match. Yeah. It was. I mean, of the five matches on the card, because again, there were only five matches on the card. Um, Mark Marrow, Leaf Cassidy was an alright match for what mm -hmm. it was. Nation of Domination. Versus Bart Gunn, Flash Funk, Gold Dust, you can take or leave. It's, it's probably the worst match on the card. Yeah. Um, Rocky Maivia versus Hunter Soundsley, great match. Yeah, good match. And then um, the tag team match you said was a really good match. And then this Four Corners Elimination match, again, really, really good match. So, well done, WWF. I can't yeah. complain. I'd give it three stars. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. happy with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There you go. Our official. Review 
4 in your house 13 final 4 and our official grading is 3 out of 5 so that's a fairly decent grading when you consider the turbulent times that the WWE were sort of going through at the time a little bit of fallout from this the next night on Raw um, obviously Hart faced Sid uh, Austin interfered again Austin interfered and Sid won the belt Sid won the belt yeah um, then Hart had another chance to regain it from Sid in a steel cage um but that was sort of it was that was overbooked to hell. Um <laughs> so obviously Sid sort of walked out as the champion and then at Mania thirteen Taker would take on Sid and yeah. Psycho Sid would become part of the streak. Taker would lift the championship. Um I mean looking at the Mania thirteen card, the entire show was just over two hours, and that's WrestleMania. <laughs> And the card, this was the card. You'd got the Headbanger, the Headbangers defeating Doug Fumas and Phil LaFon, the Godwins and the New Blackjacks uh, <laughs> for a chance, not for the Tag Team Championships, for a chance to face um, Owen and Bulldog or whoever would win the later match. Uh, then you got Rocky Maivia beating the Sultan, uh, the Sultan, of course. Is that with um, Iron Sheik? Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund, Jesus. Because when, because <laughs> when one manager isn't enough, you know. Um, yeah. And can you remember who the Sultan would turn into? Uh, what's he called? I don't know what he was called. Uh, hang on. Uh, is it Rikishi? It is Rikishi. Oh, um, I mean this. Like I said, I said to you beforehand that I watched um, not all of Mania 13, but I watched a bit of it. And the Sultan genuinely in this match wasn't that bad. <laughs> I mean, it's a stupid gimmick, but he genuinely wasn't that bad. He's got an absolutely mean super kick. Um, Triple H beat Goldust. Uh, Triple H was with China, Goldust with Marlena. Uh, Owen and Bulldog would retain their tag team championships against Mankind and Vader uh, because of a double count out. Uh, Bret Hart obviously then beat Stone Cold in yeah. one of the most amazing matches in WWF history. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom <laughs> Jesus Christ defeated the Nation of Domination in Crush, Farouk and Savio Vega. Um, oh, hang on. We've got the rappers' names. It's Wolfie D <laughs> And JCIs, I believe. Wow. Oh no, they're wrestlers. So apparently, <laughs> alongside Crush Farouk and Savio Vega, they also had one, two, three, four other people down with them. Brilliant. Clarence Mason, <laughs> D'Lo Brown, JCIs, and Wolfie D. And well, anyway, it's a Chicago street fight, and you can tell how much pandemonium must have ensued because it was oh, only wow. ten minutes. This Chicago street fight. Especially with it being Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom. No, oh, yeah, exactly. For absolute like, brutes. I'm wondering if Ahmed Johnson was injured in this match just because he's always injured. <laughs> it was it seemed to be his gimmick. And then obviously we had the main event of Taker versus Psycho Sid, which Taker would walk away the victor. Um, of those matches, two went 20 minutes plus. Got the Taker and the uh, Brett. Yeah, Taker and Brett. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a quick programming note on what we are going to review next. 
Um, obviously, I chose In Your House 13 Final Four. So, Garth, what are you choosing and why? I'm going for a TNA one this time. <gasps> um, I know. Um, but it, they did have the, the, the sort of good periods. Yeah, they did. So, um, I'm going to go for a one that it's not well, it's not really one of the big big ones um but uh it's destination x in 2012 yeah interesting okay i'm looking forward to this because we've talked about this a bit beforehand obviously and it's certainly an absolutely stellar card it's 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 basically a sort of who's who of future wwe it really is and we talked a bit about um, the, well, sort of the talent that TNA wasted almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I am a complete TNA noob. So the Destination X pay-per-view concept, was that built around the X division? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was mainly that. Um, it started off where I think it was just sort of X Division. It was a Destination X used to be just one part of another pay per view, I think. Right, I think it started okay. off as like a part, but then it got bigger and got its own sort of thing. But I mean it's it's where they showcased all the high flyers and they used to get in like international talent and stuff as well. Yeah. Um I mean I'm sure on one of the early ish ones they had sort of Mark Haskins and people like that. Wow. Who obviously then later Sort of became one of the sort of bigger sort of British stars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they had like, I'm pretty sure they had like Mark Andrews and people like that as well. I think they had pretty much everybody go through them on their way to sort of bigger things. There you go. I mean, but um, the I'm... main the main event is um, AJ Styles versus um, Christopher Daniels, oh. and it's brilliant. Well, I think it's like a sort of double main event with um. Bobby Roode and Austin Aries. Yeah, both I'm matches at the card now. Both matches are absolutely brilliant. You've got Austin Aries against Bobby Roode for the TNA World Championship. Yeah. Um, you've got the final for the TNA X Division Championship between Kenny King, uh, Mason Andrews, Sanjay Dutt, Jesus, and C- he was, Zima Ion. Yeah. Sanjay Dutt was really underrated as well. He was. Um, AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. We've got Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. That's really so, good as well, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to this pay per view. Let's let's say I'm going into it with positivity. I think that's probably the best way to describe it because when you said let's do a TNA one, I was like, oh for God's sake! Um, <laughs> but hopefully this will sort of swing my opinion on TNA. But ladies and gentlemen, that is it for our retro pay per view show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you get a chance to watch this pay-per-view. There are definitely some really good matches you should check out. There are some that you should ignore, but there are definitely some you should check out, proving that this period in WWE's history was not all as bleak as we are told. But, obviously, next time we will be back with um, Destination X 2012, which is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Talk to us about your opinions about the show, if you remember it, or if... You know, you've watched it before, your opinions. Uh, you can talk to us on Podmania at Twitter. Um, you can find me at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Where can they find you, Garth? Uh, I'm at Drummer Jackson. Fantastic. And 
we will talk to you guys again soon. Okay, see you later.